Hello, welcome to CarCast and Edmund Podcast. I'm Matt, the moderator, Andrew here with Alistair Weaver. Hello. Hello, good morning. How are you? Yeah, um, I'm good. You know, uh, a little tired after a week in Vegas, uh, SEMA and the events and, and stuff, but I, I want to get into that a little bit. I, I, I spent the week out there for SEMA and then hung around for SEMA Fest, which was their concert series and Automotive Fest. They had uh, Nitro Circus out there. They had uh, Hoonigan drifting and Formula Drift and, and you know, motorcycles flying through the air and stunt show and and a whole bunch of of concerts going throughout the day and throughout the night and and you know as we talked about SEMA Fest it was an experiment for them uh, it's their first year so we definitely wanted to cut them a little bit of slack and uh, I thought the concert series was fun I thought the cars were cool the stunt car stuff was there I think I'd like to see the SEMA ignited car show ultimately be a portion of that. Maybe bring out some of the cars from the show floor. So I didn't stay on. I didn't, I as you know, I came out for like a day. Um, yes. Cause I was on a, I was on a panel, but um, what, so the, the thing at the weekend, there's a public day on the Friday. Then the, then the weekend was, was about rock music and stuff. Yes. So what they were trying to do is SEMA being a trade show, they're, they're trying to kind of bridge, bridge the gap between the the business side of the industry and the enthusiast side of the industry. So you're there for the trade show, uh, and uh, arguably that's industry only. Although, if it's industry only, why are there huge hour long lines for autograph sessions and stuff? Or when you're basically working with those people day in and day out. So I don't really fully understand it, but I, I get what's happening there. Um, it, it's not really. The trade show isn't really about like all the consumers that show up like under the radar. People go, oh, yeah, the public sneaks in or they find a way to get a pass. That's not really what's happening. It's it's all the employees within the industry are going, hey, I want to bring some family members or some friends. So I'm going to apply for some extra passes through my company. I got two people working my trade booth, but I've got 12 passes that I've submitted for because I'm bringing some friends and that's fine. They should be allowed to go and enjoy it. And that's why the, the booths are, have all this fanfare to them and, and crazy displays. Uh, and it's and, Vegas and it's Vegas, right? So you want to go out there. So what they did is, is for the past couple of SEMAs on Friday, they've sold a limited amount of passes to the SEMA trade show to the public. And it was identified by like the color of the lanyard or whatever. Um, so some enthusiasts were able to walk around and meet some of the people from these companies and see some of the new parts and some of the crazy cars. And it was limited, I don't know, a few thousand tickets or something like that. Uh, and now Friday and Saturday, they were doing what's called SEMA Fest, which is, like you said, it's a concert series and automotive event that tickets are just sold to the public and is is a way for SEMA to say, hey, automotive enthusiasts, music enthusiasts, come to our concert event and experience some of the automotive entertainment there, like we said, like drifting and Nitro Circus and stuff like that, uh, and start to become aware of what SEMA is, is an advocate for the automotive industry. Uh, the concerts were great. I, I thought 
some of the bands were were fantastic. Um, you know, we saw uh, uh, Imagine Dragons, AJR, uh, uh, Incubus, uh, Third Eye Blind. It was a bunch. It was fun. And the Nitro Circus guys all flying through the air, motorcycles, BMX. And it was kind of fun. Now, the overall footprint was about 40 acres, and they didn't need anywhere near that amount of space. It just looked huge, and it was tough to fill that space. And they probably didn't need to start at you know 12 or whatever one o'clock in the afternoon like they did on friday like it can all be condensed a little bit more but excuse me these are some of the things they can figure out in the process but uh it lacked a big car show and i understand why they did that so sema ignited is the car show that they would do at the end of sema all the cars in the convention center would fire up and they would do this parade in front of grandstands and the public can see it and they'd get over to what was like before West Hall was even built. It was a huge parking lot there. And there was vendors and food and beverages. And they'd host the Battle of the Builders live. And and you get to see the best of the best car builds from SEMA. But the first year they did it was at Link. And all the cars were like overheating and running out of gas because they did not allow have gas while they're in the convention center in them. And uh, it it took something like four hours to go five miles and it was just a total shit show. So I think they've kind of learned that lesson and they say, Hey, let's not get overzealous and combine the SEMA ignited thing with the SEMA fest on the first year, unless we know exactly how it's going to go exactly how all of those cars are going to fire up. What streets are going to go on? Is there a police escort? Is the road closed off? How are they going to get into the venue? How are we going to park them, line them up, and not have it turn into five hours or four hours of of sitting in a car and things overheating? And yeah, and I was going to say most of those aren't really designed for that stuff either. <laughs> yeah, it's I, really not. <laughs> so I was chatting to the risk of injury. I was chat chatting to uh, Mike Sp- uh, Spagnola. Who yeah. is the CEO of of the whole? Yeah, I was thing. at SEMA Fest with Mike. We were there. Oh, there you go. Music. <laughs> oh, there we go. We shamelessly name dropped together. But um, and he, I, I was actually there because I was asked to be on a panel talking about the future of the car. Kind of thing that we talk about here, you know, like what's happening with EVs, what's happening with hybrids, what's happening right. with hydrogen. Where you know where are we going, and what does that mean to the aftermarket? And uh, it was nice to chat to Mike before, and he was talking about can we turn SEMA into this, if the Formula One stays in the same place, which is, as we're recording this, what, end of next week, could you basically create like an alternative car week that combines somehow SEMA with Formula One with, you know, a, a, with, with with this other stuff going on and and just create this kind of like epic auto event within Vegas, which sounds very cool. My instinct is it's a slightly different audience and I'm not sure how many people at SEMA are mad keen formula one fans but they might be formula one people who want to hang around and see formula one as like the finale to the whole SEMA experience but it's an interesting idea of like taking this pseudo trade show and then turning it into something a lot more a lot more public facing and this is my second time at SEMA was second or third time and first time before the pandemic and you know, as somebody who's come over here, and I used to go to similar things in, in Europe. There's a big one in Essen in Germany. But just the scale and just the money, yeah. Yeah, I just find absolutely mind-blowing. And I'm sure there's people in there that, like, do all the detailed analysis of, like, you know, if I buy this much floor spend, it means this or that. But just, like, can everybody in there justify 
the expense or is it just been one of these things that a lot of it's driven by ego it's seamer i've got to be there i've got to have a stand and like you know we just look at like some little widget thing or i like i'm doing a cloth for your car or like this is a piece of garage flooring and i'm one of the 50 garage flooring people here in this enormous hall and it's it's great i love it and i just love the whole like americana of it and it's just so wonderfully over the top and it's a perfect fit for vegas but it's just i'm just always blown away by how much money there is there it's crazy it, it is and you're right it was it was very competitive uh you know the exhibitors were very competitive year after year and they've all kind of scaled back a bit and it's been um still crazy booths and and build cars but maybe a little less on the sort of the party aspect of it the the display of it like they're they're reeling in some of the entertainment in the booths and focusing a little bit more on the business side of things but it's it's really sort of become in my mind uh a media event a way for these manufacturers to say you know uh come come talk to us come interview us come take photos get your videos all the all the when I say media, I mean every sort of content creator out there. No, media no longer meaning just like what you guys do specifically at at Edmonds or someone in the aftermarket or Hot Rod Magazine. Media is everyone with a phone, <laughs> right? They're creating creating content, uh, and that content being dispersed as many places as possible on social media and YouTube and blogs and podcasts and whatever to kind of get the word out of what's new excuse me, with, with some of these companies um, and not just the builds, you know, what's going on with ring brothers and roadster shop and, in in Cal creations and, and stuff like that. But, and, but the parts and stuff as well, I don't know that there's a lot of meetings being taken place between the larger established companies. It seems like they have their distribution figured out. There's probably some international meetings being being said and there's still some business happening but but nowhere near the scale of 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 SEMA maybe 15 years ago uh yeah so yeah it's, it's interesting, interesting the, one, event. the one i'd compare it with I, I went out to the nada which is the big dealer association show and i went there in january it was in dallas and jan in, in this january 2024 it's going to be back in vegas and that's very similar that's a bit more it's a bit more serious probably because it's big dealer groups doing big business but it's kind of interesting, similar, similar sort of feel. And, you know, there's also a similar dynamic of like, you know, how big is your stand? You know, there's like a status symbol that you almost need. It's like go big or go home. So, you know, coming up now is the PRI show, performance racing uh, industry, which is owned by SEMA. It's in Indy and it's a smaller scale version of the SEMA show with a focus more on the racing side of things. Anything from, you know, just like weekender oval track stuff and dirt racing up to full nhra and beyond uh and i've gone a couple of times that's a fun show as well but me being sort of a a parts super freak um pri is interesting there now the displays are a little different uh it's more of a focus on parts but there are displays uh you know instead of like bolt-on efi systems that you'd see in the holly booth uh, you're going to see, you know, dart machinery and TRW there talking about pistons. Like uh, there'll be a display about roller rockers and pistons, right? <laughs> there'll be actual engine parts there. Uh, 
and with a focus on on the like I said on the racing industry, the racing aspect, all the various forms of racing. So, um, a little bit different presentation that's going on there, but also a very very cool, a very fun show to see uh, and to get into the nitty gritty of of the technical aspects of some of those parts. But that's gonna and be it's fun. kind of interesting how the aftermarket or the racing community or whatever is. You know, these shows are still huge. I mean, SEMA was like a big event just in terms of not just the scale of the show itself, but the number of people there. I think they were talking about like 150,000 people coming through, whatever, and, and I should say trade people. And then you compare it to LA Auto Show that's, uh, as we're recording this, is is next week or this week when you're listening to it. And we're kind of looking at the list, and, you know, we talk about this a lot, and it's a bit like, eh. And, you know, Porsche, who normally go very big in LA, aren't there. We were expecting the, the Mechani V at one point. It's not there. So it's interesting that the sort of specialism and the kind of super enthusiast end of the market is still pretty buoyant. And that kind of mainstream, here's a bunch of new vehicles, take your kids, poke around the new Camry or whatever is, you know, is, is still struggling a bit. So yeah, fascinating so th times. That's actually a good, a good segue for LA auto show, as you said, is coming up and the LA auto show um, we go for the press events and usually the week leading up to it, there's a handful of pop-up events, either from a company that will be on display there, you get a preview or a company that's not going to be on display there, but they want to capitalize on media being in town. So they'll say, I don't know, somebody like Bentley will go, we we're not at the LA auto show, but we're going to do a, you know, like a one night or, you know, one day event at, you know, some art gallery downtown LA and we're going to have a couple cars on display and we're going to show you shoes and stuff, <laughs> you know, so some combination of something fun, right? And it's uh, always, I went. It was a fun it, night. It was yeah, really interesting. It's actually uh, uh, a pleasure to go to those things. But the LA Auto Show, when it's open to the public, is meant to be an opportunity for people, for enthusiasts to go, I am shopping for a new car. The LA Auto Show is fun. It's an opportunity for me in one day to hop around from booth to booth and test out and sit in and take a look at up close three or four different new cars or SUVs or whatever, or trucks. And I, I think in an aspect, it's fun. But as we've been saying over the past couple of years, the auto shows have been getting smaller. Some of the car companies have had less of a footprint or no footprint at all. But also like what we saw in Detroit, it's becoming more experiential. There's the whole like off-road section and there's Jeeps that you can drive and electric cars that they're driving inside and you can climb up rocks in a ram and, and then down the other side. So it is evolving a little bit. But to your point, I am surprised Porsche is out completely. Porsche has a huge LA market a customer base. They've always had one of the best presentations. Their whole display, the room that they had at the LA Auto Show was always very significant. And yes, the new Porsche Macan being all electric would have been a huge LA debut. Maybe the vehicle's just not ready yet, but for them to not show up at all, the room is empty. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, I don't uh, know what they're going to put in it. It's going to be a lunch room or something. A pretty, um, yeah. I mean, Galpin are there with some Porsches, but that's that's the dealers. Yeah. Um, so it's not like a big international. It's funny that you're talking about the mechanic. V. Where I live, I live in South Bay, which those who don't know LA is just sort of south of LAX. It's uh, down in the sort of beach communities, and I am on the test drive route of all the prototypes for BMW, Mercedes, yeah. Porsche, 
and others. So I can quite regularly be like getting a cup of coffee or walking the, you know, taking the kids to walk and something top sequel drive past me. And the other day, like a McCanny V pretty much undisguised just drove past me. I just didn't have, um, I didn't have my phone handy. A cyber yeah. truck drove past and all, all because SpaceX is up the road. And it's actually, if you look at the, um, going off at a tangent, if you check out our Instagram, Edmunds Cars at the moment, we had some pretty interesting shots of the uh, of the Cybertruck, and particularly yes. how some of the panels are, you know, are or are not fitting together. I think there's yes. a bunch of people at SEMA would be interested in looking at that. <laughs> yeah, right. It's interesting because when you do walk around SEMA and you see the amount of time and hours of somebody putting into, you know, a hand built specialty car, you know, in some cases, you know, a million dollar budget, and then go, uh, that's literally a bunch of guys and gals like forming it by hand uh and the cyber truck yeah it's kind of a a, a kind of a quality mess right now I, I, but still it's like i don't know is that a production version is any are they going to be shipped yet when do they ship the end of the month i guess uh, no i mean the, no, they were shipped they were shipping three years ago <laughs> we've had an order and i mean i went to that launch event you know the famous yeah. one where they smashed the windows i can't even remember when that was we, we put an order in that night so um, it's still it's coming at some point. Uh, yeah, I I guess when we see an actual dealer delivered or whatever Tesla delivered to a customer version, then we can we can really. Start when I turn up right. in my cyber truck, you're going to feel pretty insignificant in your lightning. Yeah, probably. Um, or I might oh, be fine. Or maybe not. <laughs> I might be fine. <laughs> Do you know, I had a, a strange thing. I we have a BMW iX as part of our long-term test fleet and it's outside my house at the moment i was driving it through hermosa beach and i love the car i think it's a fantastic car love the interior can't stand the way it looks i know it's deliberately polarizing but ours is white which which makes it even worse and i'm driving through hermosa beach and one comes towards me and the guy's obviously super proud that he's chosen this like way out machine so he's giving me the full wave yeah you, like, are you, oh, are you kind of like hunkering down in your chair like don't don't wave to like, me I, like, I don't want you to know i've got this thing i was like you know i hate i hate the way this thing looks but I, other funny. than it looks though it's got to be it's an awesome a, car it's a good car right yeah it's a, it, it is literally an awesome car it's just i think it's very strange it's it's for those who don't know the ix it has this very extrovert exterior where it just feels like there's angles and lines going on everywhere and then the interior is this beautiful sort of lounge concept, which we used to own a, a BMW i3, and I absolutely adored that car. And all we wanted was a scaled-up i3. And in some ways, that's what the iX is, but it's not pretty. So you've got the interior, which is fantastic, and then this weird exterior. But the dynamics of the thing are awesome. So and if so really what you need to do is buy one in black or something, so you hide a lot of the detailing. Yeah. But but yeah. I think Sorry, on we're their website, it's black. <laughs> yeah, like black on the dark, BMW black website, it's just it's 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 black, which tells you something. Yeah, yeah. I normally, mean, normally, normally, you, normally you launch a car in silver so you can see the, you know, you can see the design. Like they launched the Audi TT and things like that in silver. If you're trying to like launch something in black, that tells you something. It's it's full electric. Now. I'm so confused by the BMW lineup of vehicles. It's so the iX is the bespoke electric vehicle. So you have so what what they're doing at the moment, they've right, got that's a, electric, a yeah. twin track approach. So they have what you might call bespoke electric vehicles, so ground up EVs, of which the iX is is their uh, ground up EV. So there's no gas version. 
But then what they're doing with everything else is something quite different to say what Porsche is doing and what Mercedes is doing. What they're saying is we're going to build a five series and we're going to build a gas version, a hybrid version and an electric version and take your pick. So you have the i7 and the 7 series. And I just drove last Monday the new i5, which is the electric version of the 5 series. Now, Porsche and Mercedes would argue that that brings in too many compromises. So you end up with a compromised gas car and a compromised electric car. Honestly, having driven these things, I've driven the Mercedes EQE, which is ground up. I've driven the i5, which is this kind of like, you know, patchwork quilt. As the i5 is a great car. It's a really, it's the first BMW. I5 I've great car. Yeah. The i5 is a great car. It, it's and, the first BMW in a long time that I think looks fantastic. It's cracking interior, drives beautifully. Yeah, it's a really nice thing. So the confusion is there's the iX, which is all electric. Then there's the yeah. XM, which is plug-in hybrid. Yeah, but it also terrible it's car. an M. It's also an M car. Yeah, that I mean, I did a video on that. If you want to, if you want to see me rant, look at watch the video on 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 YouTube. Yeah, right. That's the one you don't like. But uh, yeah, it's um, yeah. So that's the M car. So that's like trying to do what AMG are doing now. Where it's like, okay, if we're going to build a sports car, make it really expensive, call it a M car. It's all getting really, it's all getting really confusing. But I think the idea is, if you're a serious early adopter and you want to be the tech geek, buy the iX because that's making a statement. If you're just the kind of person who says, mm, quite fancy an electric car, but you know, I'm not going to give up my sedan or my SUV, then you buy the i5 or the i4 or the i7, and you've basically got the car you always had, apart from it's super quiet, a lot faster, and you have to plug it in. Uh, but in my mind, the i5 is so much better looking than what Mercedes is doing. Yeah, way better looking than EQ. The quality's better, the interior's nicer. I, I was really impressed by it. I thought it was a, I just thought it was a really nice way to travel and i'm sure we don't want to get back into the infrastructure debate but you know if you could add real confidence in charging that up when you need to charge it up then you know that would just be a really nice car to run around in and, and there are hybrid examples of of these things like you're talking about so they're doing electric yeah. and hybrid and gas engine which actually kind of brings up the next vehicle because this has been getting social media news all over the place is Ram had been talking about their electric truck, uh, but they just hit us with, which we kind of expected, a hybrid version. They're saying, hey, this is a plug-in electric hybrid version of a truck. But what's interesting is it has a six well, it's not. Yeah, it's sort of not a hybrid. It's well, sort of not of a hybrid, point. right? So, it's not a hybrid. That's the point. It's a... It's an electric car with an onboard generator. With an onboard generator. So to yeah. be clear about this, so it has an inline six, but the inline that has six, a V six. V six. Is it a V six? Sorry, man, I'm pretty sure it's a V six. Yeah. Uh, sorry to uh, you know. Yeah, I'm sorry. It is. Thing. Yes, it's a uh, it's a it's a V six. Um, but the six cylinder does not power the wheels at all. As a matter of fact, you can't even change. The RPM. It is a generator. It fires up and it's steady state, whatever RPM, and it's just there to charge the batteries that are on board, which is, did we figure out what it is? Something like 90 kilowatt, 92 kilowatt battery pack. That's yeah, which just to give people some sort of sense of context, 
like I think the Model 3's battery, Tesla Model 3, is about 70 kilowatts. So, And my lightning is, is what, like 112 or something. Yeah, so this is still a like a this is still a sizable battery. So the idea of this thing, and I, I, I'll be right up front of it. I think this is a genius idea for I the world so in too. which we live right now. So this is not there's nothing new here. If you go back a bit, the Chevy Volt was an electric car with a generator. BMW did a version of the i3, which we owned, my family owned, which had a which was an electric car with a little little engine on board that sounded super agricultural but the idea was it charges you up and gets you out of jail when you need it and this is the same principle here so basically the car uh they're re they're changing uh so yeah so this has got 92 kilowatts and and so this is quite different to the uh ram rev which is the all-electric one which has got 168 or 229 so it's kind of in roughly terms half the half the battery's half as big so you're not going to go. Uh, you're not going to go as far, but what it allows you to do is run uh, run it as an EV truck the majority of the time. And I think it's going to. You know, they're claiming well over a hundred miles. But then when you go on the road trip, or more pertinently, when you're towing, then you need. Then you just use the gas engine to keep yourself charged as you go along. And they're saying it'll charge. I think it's 130 kilowatts, which is which is ample fast enough. So basically, it's not one of the problems with the BMW was that there was a times where the engine struggled to keep up with the charge. Right. So it you end up enough, having to charge. It wasn't slow. enough engine. Right. It wasn't enough engine. But I think what what they're saying here is, I mean, it's a three and a half liter V6, right? So that's a huge generator, basically. It's a huge yeah. onboard generator. Like it feels like you could have done it with one cylinder. You know, you could have put a small, you know, motorcycle engine in it and generated enough power. You know, put a Honda generator under the hood. But this is a, this is a, yeah, like you said, a three and a half liter V six engine, but three point six liters. Yeah. So what they're yeah, saying is, this thing is a hundred and thirty kilowatt onboard charger. Now, a typical, you know, your typical DC fast charger that you plug your EV into it is normally these days could be 350, but many of them are 150. So it's basically like having a DC fast charger on board, which is also the same way that hydrogen cars work, by the way, that they are a hydrogen car is just an electric car with a uh, with a hydrogen power plant that creates electricity. And charges the char charges the car. And lots of trains. I mean, trains used to run this way, where you have a diesel engine that converts it into electricity that powers the train. So the technology is not new, but it just seems like a brilliant solution for the here and now. And I'm kind of surprised that other people haven't, you know, I'm kind of surprised that other people haven't done this. Because if you, if you most of the time, like for you, Matt, you're, you're going to be knocking around LA. Most of the time, you're just going to use electricity. Yeah, but then when you go long distance or you need to tow, you've got that peace of mind, and so you might find you'd barely use the gas engine. But it's a cool idea, really cool idea. It's it's what Fisker Karma was supposed to be originally, if you think about it. Yeah, and I right. remember the first the first pole start. No, I think that was a genuine hybrid. I don't think that was a generator. But yeah, the technology is not new. It's just yeah, and so now they're saying, well, actually, you can go six hundred miles and you can tow. You know, you can tow huge right. amounts. So, so here's the benefit now is they're saying uh, it's an electric truck. It has the onboard generator and the combined range of electric and gas is 690 miles, essentially. Now, 
obviously not towing or fully loaded up, but that's the idea. And because it has the electric motors with an incredible amount of torque, 663 horsepower, 615 pound-feet of torque, it'll tow 14,000 pounds. And obviously, if you're towing a huge load, that gas engine is going to kick in and keep those batteries charged. And those electric motors are going to be all the power you need to tow that thing around. Uh, a 2,625-pound uh, payload capacity as well. So, And by the way, 0 to 60 in 4.4 seconds. So it feels like this is exactly what the truck market needed. Yeah, you still got two electric motors, so you've got all-wheel drive, you've got all that torque and everything else. Yeah, so, yeah, it's cool. And it's way better in this concept than a plug-in hybrid because you've just got the range. It's just, it's, I mean, you probably find most people, depending on how you use a truck and where you live in the country, but, you know, you might go months and barely use the engine. and But then it's there, it's, it's there for you, so it takes... Until we sort the infrastructure and battery technology moves on a little bit, particularly in the truck market, this is probably the best compromise. I mean, I think this will be a super desirable thing. I think so, too. Now, keep in mind, whatever size fuel tank it has, this isn't like, hey, you, you're getting on the on-ramp, so you floor it, and it goes full throttle, and your ejectors are firing, and you're sucking down that fuel. This, this engine... I guess in theory is steady state. It's like I I don't know if it needs more charge. Will it increase RPM of the gas engine like on its own? But for the most part, it's not meant to be controlled by your foot. It's not controlled by the throttle or the accelerator. So so it should essentially sip fuel. It should be a very fuel efficient V6 engine because you you don't need it to move around the weight of the vehicle. You just need it to charge the battery. I mean, it's like you've seen it, people trying to do this in the past where, you know, you buy one of those Honda generators and, yeah. you know, carry it around with you, then plug it, use it to charge a car. It's, it's, it's pretty, it's a simple concept. <laughs> it's, it, but, right. um, it's, it's that except on, on most electric vehicles, like my lightning, uh, they don't let you drive the vehicle and charge it at the same time. Otherwise people would have the Honda generator in the back plugged into the side of the truck while they're driving. Yeah. The Ram actually does charge the vehicle while you're driving. That's the beauty of having it on board. Otherwise, why would I just keep a Honda generator in the bed of my truck and just drive around, have that thing sip fuel, and I'd never have to go to a fuel gas station or charge it. I would just drive around with a little generator in the back. I mean, you fill it up with gas every once in a while, just a generator. Anyway, I think it's a cool idea. Uh, it seems to look good. Uh, if everything works the way it's supposed to work, then um, I I think, and you're right, it's not new technology, but this is a, this is kind of a game changer in that space. Yeah. I mean, the technology, I mean, you say, well, should it work? Well, there's nothing really complicated going on here. So I, I wouldn't say, well, and also that Ram, you know, the, it'd be really interesting because you're going to have this and you're going to have the Ram Rev, which is the fully electric, including sort of massive battery versions over 220 kilowatts, I think I, I think it is. So you're gonna have the you're gonna have that option. Yeah, 229 kilowatt hours is the biggest battery they're offering. So it will be super interesting to see in the market like what people actually buy and also how the prices line up as well because obviously an engine three and a half liter V6 isn't cheap, but then 
probably cheaper than batteries. So how how will the price sit relative to the full electric trucks? Yeah. I mean, at the moment, they're saying like the the, the electric market is like 8% of trucks. I mean, actually, that sounds quite high to me. But, you know, and this is part of what we're seeing in the market. You know, Chevy, Silverado EVs delayed. You know, again, you've got the Ram coming. You've got, you know, Ford's not lightning is not, you know, having had that initial burst of interest is not really kicking on as they'd hoped. And I'm sure a lot of that is to do with infrastructure and the cost of the vehicle. So, you know, this is this is a good solution. It would also be really interesting to see whether anybody else either will or even can jump on the bandwagon. Like, I have no idea whether Ford... I mean, hypothetically, you know, could you could you make a lightning with a engine in the nose? You'd lose the frunk. So, you know, a lot of the appeal of the full EVs is you get this massive frunk, and in a truck, that's great because you've got this secure, huge load area. But you would lose that. But could you, in theory, put an engine in the front of an of a lightning and have a same effect? Maybe. You, you know, you same with the we don't know exactly what's going to happen with the next version of the Ford Lightning, uh, something yeah. that they're already working uh, on. Uh, uh, it, it won't be sort of a homologation of the F-150 like like my truck is. It will be a ground up, clean sheet of paper design. Yeah. And the irony is actually in the current F-150, which is the ladder frame and everything else, that might be easier to do this sort of <laughs> yeah, it would uh, be. To, to do this sort of trick. Yeah, it would be. I, listen, I, I, I think. I think Ram is on to something here. I think they've got, uh, I, you know, I'd love to try it, drive it. I'd love to test it out. I think it'd be, I think they will take some of that, uh, lightning audience with them. If, if this thing comes out sooner than let's say a new lightning would. Yeah. There's a bit of, there's a bit of ego here as well, isn't it? I mean, it's kind of interesting that Ram have kind of come out and said, look, even before our Bev comes out, we're going to do this for ford now to come out and say we did this lightning we all said this is the future and everyone's gonna win for them to come out and say oh we've now got this like hedging bet i mean i suppose they've got the f-150 hybrid and you just argue it's an extension of that but uh right it's an interesting journey like is 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 similar but it powers the wheels but you're right but that's a fantastic truck and honestly that's kind of the f-150 to get right now we have an F. We have a light. We have a hybrid on our um, on our test fleet at Edmunds, and it's a uh, yeah, it's a great thing. Super fast as well. Yeah, and the revisions that they're making. So if you do make it to the LA Auto Show, there will be the new F one fifty, and there's a few revisions to uh, the F one fifty hybrid. I think it has a little bit larger battery on it now, so it's got a little bit more uh, like offline hours, I guess you could say, uh, offline power with the battery, so you can power your job site and stuff more before those gas engines need to kick in. But that that's essentially what Ram is doing, but making it an onboard generator sort of powering the wheels. So um, I think those would be super competitive. The F-150 hybrid and the Ram hybrid. Uh, I don't know. They call it a hurricane. What are you calling it? Calling I, it a I guess it's not a, a hybrid is jet. I mean, yeah. I can't oh, it's remember a Ram what... Charger. It's a Ram Charger EV. That's what they're calling it. Yeah, because it's not. There's yeah. only one propulsion source. Right. So it's the Ram 1500 Ram Charger. That's weird. It's a Ram <laughs> elect. It's just an electric truck with a yeah. generator. And no, I'm right. presuming. But no if front. you if you if you want to go see it, uh, presumably it'll be at the LAO show. Um, look for the Ram Charger. And then that should get you into 
whatever the hell we're talking about here. Yeah, <laughs> and also it's a, the, the 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 sort of updated Ram is a nice looking truck. There's tons. It is of a nice looking truck. Yeah, it is a nice looking truck. Um, I. I love what else truck. can we expect at the LA Auto Show? I think we can expect uh, a little bit of There's announcement a... from Ford today. The California Special package on the Ford GT. It's a trim package. It's nineteen hundred ninety-five bucks. Uh, it's something Mustang. we've seen in the past. It's weird if I think of like Mustangs in California. I just think of higher cars going up Highway One at driving erratically at twenty miles an hour. So good to yeah. see what that looks. This but it's it. it's this a blue. It's a do. bit of blue. It's a bit of blue, isn't it? It's a bit of blue. Yeah, it's got some blue trim and the grill and the wheels and the interior's got some blue leather and some stitching and stuff. And it, I mean, listen, I, Mustang fans know that the California Special or the CS package is is or the GT slash CS account the the GT California Special, um, not anything new in in the legacy of Mustang. It's just a, a different variation on the car. Some of you guys might really like it. Uh, chances are you will see it at the LA auto show. Also, you'll see some of the things that we got to see in Detroit, like the Mustang Maki rally or the rally. Yeah. Movie. I think that's a, that's a cool thing that they lucid um, lucid will uh, believe have the gravity, which is the SUV uh, that's been trailed for a long time and a vehicle they, um, they really need. Um, I hope it there's... does well. It's just, it it's the lucid seems like there's some potential there. It's a nice luxury vehicle. Uh, you brought one over yeah, it's it's sharp looking. It's fast, but it's just like every time I go online, I see Edmonds on Twitter pointing out all this shit falling off that car. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was to be <laughs> fair, it's unfortunate. Like, they, they, yeah, they get quite upset when we we talk about some of the problems that we've had. But to be fair to them, it's got better and better. The problem with that car is they just launched it too soon, and I think you know, in a in a quiet moment, they would admit as much. So, you know, we've just had so many over, over the air updates. We've had hardware. So it's it's just got better and better to the point where now you think actually this thing, um, this thing's starting to hang hang together a lot, a lot better. And the fundamentals are fantastic. So it looks great, it goes super fast, it handles beautifully, it rides beautifully. It's a really nice thing. It's just I just wish they'd spent that extra bit of time getting it you know getting it really into shape before they um before they launched it and i suspect with the gravity because it'll share so much technology with the sedan they'll just be that bit further around but then you know look at the cyber truck and the problems they're having to build that as well so i mean there was a thing came out this week i think lucid's are losing three hundred and fifty thousand bucks a car at the moment which is suboptimal yeah tough that's um tough. but the i mean SUV Rivian, looks cool the suv i think is maybe better looking than the than the sedan the sedan's got kind of a robocop helmet thing going on for me but <laughs> i think i think that ages you think... <laughs> maybe, maybe it does uh although the suv does as well but it, it just feels like it's got more proportion to it and it should be kind of kind of cool there's some crazy late there's some really low release rates going on with lucids at the moment as well my my instagram oh yeah I'm cars, if you want to follow now. Yeah, they're actually <laughs> there absolutely. There you go. Get the plug in, Matt. Yeah. Uh, they, um, uh, yeah, they, they, they're really pushing. Um, they're really pushing some lease rates. So, yeah, they're going to be there. There's going to be you know some interesting Toyota stuff. It's going to be a decent show. It's uh, so I, I'm excited. We'll come back next week and um and talk about it. Uh yeah. What else? What else are we missing? What else did we want to hit today before we? Um, what else? I drove. Already, I drove a couple of interesting it, but... EVs. 
Yeah. Uh, drove the, uh, I went to Spain, which was nice, and drove the Volvo EX30, which was also nice. Uh, I think just, this the video is going to be I an did. interesting car for them. I think an important car for them. Yeah, the video I just did is up on YouTube, if you go to Edmunds Cars on, on YouTube. And I thought it was a really nice little thing. The problem is it's like super small. It's, I was going to say, it seems smaller than I thought. It It's shorter than a mini mini than a mini countryman it's properly small which would be fantastic in like paris or london and i think even in somewhere like la or new york i mean it's an ev so actually you've got packaging advantages so if you're like you two six foot people can sit behind each other just and it's got decent trunk space and i just thought it was a really sweet well thought out little car they do like a single motor version with like 280 something horsepower which is really nice and then they do a nutty one which has got over 400 horsepower dual motor zero to 60 in 3.4 seconds but it's kind of crazy because i mean that's what a 911 carrera did at our test track but this is like a tiny little family car and what they haven't done is say oh now it's got 430 horsepower we need to you know, upgrade the suspension, fit some Recaros and all that stuff. They've basically just gone, well, let's just keep this really cute little, you know, family car that, you know, is quite softly sprung and rolls around a bit and we'll just whack a 400, 400 horsepower in it. <laughs> so it's it's really quite a strange thing to drive. It's like a little hot rod. But I, I really, I thought it was great. I think the problem in America, and also it's cheap, it starts at, including destination, it starts at $36,000, which, all right, not cheap, cheap, but still significantly less than the average price of a gas car so here's um, the interesting proposition is i i i think this is probably a market that was made for a car that was made for markets outside of the u.s um yeah. and they're bringing it here i think we're gonna find it a little on the small side um yeah even at that price point but i think we're gonna look at the competition out there at what's available now and go you know, for 40 grand, this is a sharp looking vehicle and it looks nice on the inside, looks nice on the outside. It's got pretty decent range. It's quick enough. I mean, if you can go 275 miles in this car, like they're like they're saying with the single motor slower version. This is pretty interesting. Yeah. And it's not and the 36 grand car. And then you've got like the if you lease it, you've got uh, tax rebates coming in. So the lease rates are going to be super competitive. If and the 36 grand car is like a proper car, it's not one of these like, oh, we're just going to bring it in and then you'll never see it. It's actually got, you know, it's got good safety, a, a good safety kit. It's got Apple CarPlay. It's got, you know, it's 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 a car that you could absolutely buy and buy and live with. And I I hope they sell a ton of them because I really like it. But I I think over here it's going to be for a lot of people, and maybe in Europe too, it's going to be a second car, and maybe that's okay. It's going to be a reasonably well, expensive second car. I mean, the audience here is going to be, do, do you want to get something that's fairly affordable and actually get into a nice brand, into arguably the entry-level luxury segment? I I don't know where they're, I don't know where you see on the car where they're cutting the corners. Is the interior feel a little cheap? I mean, it, what? It, it, you can, I mean, like clearly... They've got to say something, but I think they've been clever in the way that they've gone about it. So I'll give you an I'll give you an example. I think it's really interesting. They did a, a thing. So they say, okay, how do we make a door cheaper? 
So they're using a lot of recycled materials inside, which is which is quite interesting to look at anyway. And feels that he doesn't feel you know the the touchy feely stuff doesn't feel particularly cheap. You know, I just sat in a in a Chevy, which felt a lot cheap. But what they've done in, instead of having speakers in the doors, they've just done they've put a a sound bar. You know, the yeah. sort of thing that you have in front of your TV, and they've just spread that across the dashboard, which a looks quite cool as a Harman Kardon version. But then, and then they've taken the electric window switches and stuck them in the middle of the car, which ergonomically maybe isn't ideal. But what that means is you've just got a door that's simpler to make, but also has got like a really big door pocket, so you've got some extra storage. And so I right. think they've all been they quite need clever. Is a power window in there and a window motor, but they didn't need yeah. all the wiring for the switches and everything else. They just and all the speaker and engineering, all that and everything else, and they just you know they'll just get a soundbar in from Harman Kardon and, and it goes and I think there's speakers in the rear but it's much much simpler and then there's other stuff like they don't have they've done the Tesla trick of just having a 12 inch vertically mounted touchscreen in the middle of the car so you know the bad thing about that is your speedos in the middle instead of in front of you which is weird for a brand obsessed with safety um, but again it, it saves you money of just going down the iPad route is there a heads up display though because that's how they get around that no Negative. No heads up for for speed on. That's a that's a that's a money saving thing, but you know there's cool there's some cool stuff like they've got the the glove box has moved from in front of the passenger to sort of in the center. Um, you don't get into it. You get into it and think this is kind of clever and interesting rather than this is you know like it's the same thing like you know sometimes you go to IKEA and you can buy like ikea's cheapest stuff and then you go yeah this feels pretty cheap but like mid-range ikea stuff you generally think this is quite nicely designed well thought out and i can stick it in pretty much any home and yeah. it's fine like these are ikea you can't see because it's a podcast but i'm holding ikea curtains that are right next to me because i like them they're the right color they're well designed the quality's okay happy days 40 yeah. bucks 40 bucks ladies and gentlemen but you're right you're you're 100 is is the IKEA example, you can go get the coffee table that's the hollow piece of wood, or you can spend a little extra and get the IKEA solid piece of wood. It's a shitty piece of wood, but it's it's feels and looks a lot better. And it looks like you could put this pretty much anywhere. And, and, and I'm sure Vol- I'm sure Volvo would not like I know they're both Swedish, but Volvo would probably <laughs> not see itself as IKEA. I'm sure they would see themselves a bit more market like that. And and rightly so, but I, I thought it was just a really, a really clever little car, and I hope it. I hope it does well. I, I hope it does well for them as well. And if it does, I think people will get more excited, or equally as excited about the larger EX ninety, which we'll get at some point, which is the larger, more expensive, three row, seven passenger SUV. Uh, but also the. These vehicles yeah. from Volvo are going to sort of cross over with whatever Polestar is doing. The relationship there and Polestar's got an EV that's coming out is uh, uh, as, as well, like a SUV EV. With their yeah, they, they, they've got they've got the Polestar one, two, three, and four. It's a great naming strategy. I'm sure they yeah. pay somebody a fortune for it. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. And the reason part part of the reason why it's so cheap is because yeah, Volvo is now Chinese owned, so you've got the power of you know, Geely money and infrastructure and buying power behind it. Um, but interestingly, I mean, the cars are originally going to be built in China, but they're also, I think, opening a production in Europe as well, presumably because of, obviously, there's a lot of geopolitics going on at the moment. The, the Polestar 2 is pretty small. 
the Polestar 2 is the Model 3 rival. Um, and then you're getting into the the SUVs. And I think the two was really, the one was really weird because the one was, we're going to launch an electric brand, but actually let's ha- let's launch it with a hybrid. That was the beautiful looking like executive coupe thing, which was like 150 grand. Then the two oh, yeah, was- I drove that. That was nice. Polestar. That was a cool yeah. thing. And then, yeah. then the two was like, we need, to, we need to get into the market. So this thing looks like a conventional sedan. It's a smart thing, but it's a kind of Model 3 rival. And they've just updated that. And then- the big sellers will be the SUVs. And the idea the idea is that Volvo will continue to do sensible, you know, sensible family vehicles with a focus on safety. And Polestar will, you know, do the safety stuff as well, but will focus on more kind of expressive design and sporty. Right. But they we want to get into the SUV size of things. The Polestar 3 will be the SUV, but it'll be two-row. It'll be large two-row, whatever you want to call large two-row. And then the yeah, Volvo yeah. will be three-row, right? So Yeah, you, I you think could... th- there's good. Yeah, you get, you get it. Yeah, you sort of, it's going to be more of a, it's probably going to be a little bit less practical, a little bit more design-orientated. I mean, the original concept was that Polestar would come and sell direct Tesla style, and they could start this alternative brand that would be selling direct and then everybody basically said, and legislatively sort of said, nah, you're really just Volvo with a different name. So that, yeah, that, yeah. that's not happening anymore. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, but but you're right. And and maybe there is a little bit of cross-shopping Volvo and and Polestar. And uh I think I think the brand managers will care, but I don't know that Geely's gonna care, the parent company. But no, and there's if if you you open yourself up to a bigger audience, it's yeah, there's some really nice. I mean, I've always and the thing I've always liked about Volvo is that you go and talk to them, and they don't try and do what everybody else is. Like you go on all these, you know, I've been to so many press launches, and you turn up, and it's like some huge family SUV, and they say this went around the Nurburgring in like eight and a half minutes, and you just think like, who cares? <laughs> Volvo just stand up and say this is a big family SUV, and what families want is lots of comfort technology safety and space and, and listen i'm and a throwing, big... throwing a sharp design throwing a handsome design as well and you've got yourself a nice recipe and the best seats in the world and yeah, yeah. you've got a great car. i just love the fact that they have this sort of like very kind of swedish very kind of down to earth it's like yeah this is this is what people want and yeah i think it's i think it's very cool they're not trying to be something they're not yeah, I haven't driven the X90. Looking forward to that one. It's a load of money. It's going to be like over eighty grand. But uh, the yeah, well, EX30 I mean, I mean is... what's what's Polestar three going to be? Because that's kind of the similar, the more stylistic, you know, two row yeah, version six, with the cool plus, little I think wing in the front and the you know whatever. I mean, once you start comparing tech specs and range and stuff like that, I guess you kind of figure out where but, where you want to go. But but yeah, if you're shopping nice. for like a Tesla Model 3, which is a bit more expensive or something like that, then have a look at the XC. You've got to keep an open mind because I think you're going to say, particularly in the US, it's really small, but actually still surprisingly practical. Uh, all right. So what do you say? You want to wrap it up and then... I don't know. We could ask the audience. But... <laughs> Are you not, sick of uh, us yet? They're not. They're not chiming in yet today. We're not taking phone calls today. I just um, did. A, I just, I just did, was giving something away, but I shot our, um, every year we do an A to Z of like all the new cars next year. And we shot it yesterday. And like time we got to Volvo or Volkswagen, I was like, is anybody still with us? Cause this show always ends up being like, you know, a chunk of time. So 
anyway yeah, yeah. we digress um all right so we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up i uh I uh, appreciate you guys listening. And if you uh, make it out to LA Auto Show, let you know, um, hit us up on social media. Let us know if there's anything there that you thought was interesting, anything that you're looking forward to. Um, we'd love to hear you about it. If you have any complaints about Tesla, um, uh, Weaver on Cars is the account that you're <laughs> you're going after. <laughs> Somebody did once break, some, a Tesla fanatic did actually break it not not break into it i didn't get hacked but he did come into he, we run cars and all it said was you are a terrible journalist that was the comment <laughs> um, which you know is right. very perceptive yeah okay well well already that upset my upset my mom yeah uh all right we're gonna wrap things up uh edmunds.com is the website and uh carcast show as well which uh i think hasn't been updated in a while a little bit of a transition thing i'm trying to sort of rebuild get back on all, all of the car cast stuff we're trying to figure that out with uh with uh with the corolla team and whatnot so um hopefully there'll be something worth bragging about there at some That's... point but in the meantime we're going to do some podcasts if you guys are listening to this and you missed some of the sema podcasts good news you didn't miss it uh there were some audio issues they've been coming in a little late we're trying to salvage some of the interviews I went around with a portable recorder and I, I guess there was a bad mic cable and it was really kind of screwing up uh, some of the interviews. So we're, we're doing what we can, but we have to edit like every audio beat of that thing. And it's taking some time. So uh, it won't be perfect, but it's salvageable, hopefully good enough for you guys to listen to uh, not studio quality by any means, but, some very interesting interviews. We went around to a handful of uh, the exhibitors there. And then on a separate episode, I got to sit down with the Ring Brothers, Mike and Jim Ring, um, and kind of just uh, chat with them for, you know, a good, you know, 40, 45 minutes. So uh, some SEMA episodes coming forward as well. And and we're back in sync as well. We had a few technical things, but we're 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 back in harness once a week if if you were wondering why we, we appeared a little bit out of sync. Yes, we say that, but you know, LA Auto Show is coming up. Holidays are coming up. <laughs> Things are going to get screwy again. But I think we're going to we're going to make it happen. We're going to make it. Formula all One happen. in Vegas. Yeah. yeah, Formula One in Vegas. Which, by the way, Vegas is not a fan of Formula One in Vegas. Everybody I talk to that lives there is like, we're leaving town, and everyone who works there is going. I don't even know if I want to work that day. Like every Uber driver and cab driver is like, I don't even think I want to work. Yeah, and and it's not selling very well either because it's so expensive. It's so expensive. It's just it's. It's crazy how expensive it's, it is. It, it would be probably cheaper to fly to the UK and go to Silverstone. <laughs> Genuinely. It actually probably be more fun. Um, yeah. All right, guys. Thanks. Uh, uh, until next time, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit carcastshow.com.